Anytime I hear someone say, we got this new business partner, a year later, they're like, oh yeah, they're not with the company anymore, but they didn't have a vesting schedule. And so now they have however much percent of your company forever. Hello and welcome to the Coffee Sometimes podcast. We got a real barn burner for you guys today. Uh, we have one of our favorite coffee review segments thus far, Touchy Coffee out of Troy, New York, and they're highlighting their washed Colombian. Super awesome, super fun. Riley also gets to show off a new brewer that he uh, bought into uh, the program, the Next Level Pulsar, and we get into some of the nitty gritties as we answer some awesome questions from our viewers around roasting operation, bookkeeping, green sourcing, owner-operator agreements, a really cool glimpse into how Valor operates and anything that we can share that might help you guys out as well. And if you enjoy the show, whatever podcast app you're on, if you could do us a solid and leave an awesome review or rate it or share it on social media, it goes a long way and helps us keep growing our, our crew. Lastly, too, we want to shout out the Valor Dunwoody Cafe. Valor Dunwoody's been open for about six months now and it has been awesome. We have had such a fun time growing that community, building up awesome leaders who have taken ownership of the space. We have an amazing team that really does just love to uplift people through coffee. And so seeing what we're doing in Alpharetta and honestly being able to entrust people and replicating that in Dunwoody has been a delight to say the least. So whether you're a local or you're thinking about ever traveling into town, definitely a, a worthy visit to the perimeter to check out Valor Dunwoody. Enjoy the show. Ethan today, tell him. <laughs> Is he getting under under your skin again? Yes, but I still want to make it through. Skin. Did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed again? <laughs> what what is it with like the different sides of your bed though? You have no idea what I'm going. Is are there like like some serious issues with your bed or like what's the root here? I mean, it's a bamboo bed, you know. Aren't you so interested in what I'm doing? Um, yes, this brewer. Oh, you can do it like that? Apparently. What's this brewer called? This is the next level Pulsar brewer. Um, I have so many questions. Oh, I bet you do. I'm ready for cappuccino. Um, it seems like based off of my critical initial analysis that this brewer combines full immersion and percolation percolation into one vessel. Is that is that accurate? Ross, you've never made more sense than right now. And that's rare because, you know, a French press would be a full immersion brew. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> a clever is one that, you know, you've got the paper filter but you've also got the full immersion. Dude, AeroPress. AeroPress, also full immersion and paper filter. So what sets this one apart <sighs> from those two? So you have a few different uh, things at play here. Okay. And Break it down. I think the main selling point of this, found this brewer through Jonathan Gag Gagne. G-A-G-N-E. Yeah. And he is a physicist who wrote a book called The Physics of Filter Coffee. Okay. And interest peak. I'm not sure if he owns part of this company or if he just endorses the company. But nonetheless, uh, Scott Rao, Scott Rao, 
is selling these. And I think the main selling point is that the, this is a no-bypass brewer. So hubba, hubba. there is a stopper that you can actuate. You can actuate a stopper. Okay. And with that, you can cause some... Oh, my gosh. You can cause some full immersion to happen, and then you turn, a, 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 you turn the stopper, water starts draining, and all water has to pass through the coffee. As opposed to... A V60 where... Oh, and it has the shower screen that you pour your okay. water through, which nice. is cool. So why does all the water have to pass through? Like, what about the mechanism makes that happen? Ooh, that's nice to watch. There is a hole at the center bottom of this brewer. It's like an AeroPress. Like, you know how all water has to pass through the coffee on an AeroPress? Yeah. Similar concept. This was a good Slozetta. Thanks, man. You uh, mean it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we can show the viewers. Yeah, we'll have to get Riley to take a picture on his Apple. So what I did there is I, I poured, I did dry WDT, poured water, uh, like a one to three ratio of the, of the bloom, so three times the dry weight. Uh-huh. When it's and then two. when I started doing wet WDT, it started draining at the bottom, so I turned the stopper to close off. Allowing, so you're amount. so there is a, the bloom right now is full immersion, yeah. But here at one minute, I'm going to turn it again, and we're going to start draining. So similar technique to AeroPress. See that we're draining, but it. Is, I, I mean, and then I, I'm going to do small pulses, and we're aiming for a total brew time of around like five to six minutes. So long. longer, yeah. longer brew time. What kind of grind setting are we, are we grinding on? Coarse. Yeah, like, like how coarse? Like Chemex vibes. Okay. Or uh, I had a lot of trouble with clogging whenever we first, I first started messing with this. And I have since done a couple of remedies, like what I did with the uh, paper filter at the beginning. Um, like to try to re- get all the oxygen out of the brewer to help with clogging. What are you boys doing over this there? This espresso is incredible. What are we oh, tasting this morning? Man. One Paul Judy of Valor Coffee. Thank you, Paul. Dunwoody. And a friend, a longtime friend, uh, sent us via his hands. Did he hand it to you? He handed it to Sam Smith. Okay. Well, he had it sent to the roastery. Um, he just went on a trip. Is that right? Did he get it? Did he get this on his trip? Or? I think he got that coffee from, from Meadowlark. Oh, I'm just going to tell you straight up. Okay. For realsies. Yeah. The hottest multi roaster. I, I know that he was at Meadowlark recently, I think. Okay. Um, Paul comment below touchy coffee. Ethan, why don't you block your face? I'll block my face too. You guys be careful with the table. You're really agitating this brew. Oh my gosh. Dude, you're too touchy about your next arp. Nexar Pulsar. You need to taste that espresso. Next level Pulsar. It's like when we couldn't figure out what the uh, Stag XF was called. Oh my goodness. delectable? Yeah, that is incredible. I did have this coffee already. I cheated. It was a cheat code moment. It was. Oh, that looks nice. This tastes like oat milk. Is it oat milk? Oatmeal milk? 
No, bro. You think I could pour off that kind of slow? Right, what's the story of this coffee? Who's who's touchy? Let me just read the copy. The cap is. Sorry. Good. Well, no. Say what you're gonna say. No, it's it's, it's super boring. Oh. But it's awesome. Okay. Okay. Boring's not bad. Boring's not bad. Sometimes you have to be bored to come up with your best ideas. Touchy That's coffee. Right. Great. Logo type. Yep. You you like that. That's that's so you. I wouldn't say that's so me. It's so well, it's, you. It's the super goofy looking stuff, and then it's like this and you're bold. Super goofy, it's like this goofy, bold collegiate yes. kind of stuff. So you got whole bean coffee. Coffee is Colombia Jorge Rojas. It is a washed process variety. Katura notes of doesn't say notes of. It just says. Raspberry fudge sickle, ninety five bulls. What? That's that's fun. I don't get the reference. Is it? Does that just mean like it's awesome, like, uh, amazing, the best ever? I think that's what they're going for. It's just the best. So awesome. As fellow sports lovers, we can respect that the uh, the reference. Touchy coffee. See, they have their fun big type, and then they have a similar classy font for their. Logo. It's more, like more cursive like a condensed option. Hmm. Cover your face. You're not. You got to come down. How about I just do this? There yeah, that's how we should start doing that. Yeah, that's how we're going to do it from now on, guys. Yeah, that, that's looking good. I really, really dig the gray. It's a two-sticker process as well. Hey, that's not. Oh, okay. Blank bag, I believe. Would you all agree? I'm curious about some things with this. What are, what are the what are the things different? The different things. So, it, this is not a custom bag, but it is a very specific size of bag. It's so wide, yeah, as yeah. if it is custom. It's kind of the new thing, though. Do you think maybe bag manufacturers are just catching the trend that wide bags are in and like du- just- Dutch coffee pack just has a standard. But even the the feel of I've that, that the texture, everything. Yeah. Um, no, it's nice. Guys, this coffee brewed incredibly well. Oh. oh. Look I was, at how even the bed is. I was hoping you were going to talk you about see the that? bed. Hubba hubba. Similar to after you pull a shot. Bow chicka bow wow. Take, take a look at that puck. See if you got any channeling. That's that's looking real good. Yeah, get you a picture of that. Did you get? Did you take a picture of my cappuccino? Um, touchy coffee, paying homage to the vast number. Homage. Really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, shoot. It would have been fine if I'm wrong. I'm not afraid of being wrong. Really? A real man That's is not afraid of being wrong. Paying homage to the vast number of hands that plant, tend, I, process, I really want to stir it. import, let me finish, roast <laughs> and brew this coffee before it finds its way to your cup. Not to your mouth. Interesting. Uh, thoughtfully roasted by Touchy Coffee, six two uh, address, Troy, New True Troy, New York. Anyone know where Troy is? Hardly. Is that upstate? Is that western? I have no clue. Roasted on the nineteenth, and then they circled the size. Fun. This is checking a lot of boxes. Do they so have far. their ins- their Instagram or website? They have their Instagram and their website. Oh, shoot. At touchy.coffee, touchycoffee.com. They got .com, respect. And they have the location. And they have their address. Wow. Whether that's a public address. Or a P.O. box. Or like their private roastery. 
Uh, that that was one of the better espressos I've had in recent memory. I'll I'll leave you one more sip. Thanks. It was fun. Is it was kind of tasting good across the board. You were we were doing nineteen to fifty. You had a twenty second shot. That was awesome. It was just a little salty. I think legit this one was more in the twenty seven. Second, 28 okay. seconds, and I felt comfortable because I knew this coffee seemed of a high quality. And when a coffee is more yummy, I just feel like you can stretch it. You yeah. Know? You can kind of like push that extraction, try to get as close to over-extract it as possible. Well, and this this is still a, a lighter roasted coffee. Mike, maybe this would be a good time to check out these these beans. Oh, wow. Those lighter roasted coffees can be you tough. I guess it's not super light. But um, delicious. Mm. Uh, what do you say we start grading this? Uh, yeah, and then maybe by the time we get to flavor, our coffee will be cool enough to drink. Yeah. Uh, packaging. All right, let's start with content. What are we thinking about the content out of five? Out of five. Yeah. One, two, three, five. Five? five? I don't know what to add. The only thing that's... There's no there's no coffee-specific descriptor. That's the thing for me. What do you mean? Like, there's there's not a... De- like, our box has a detailed paragraph about, about the, the coffee. coffee itself. I was going to say, like, 4.5. I was thinking about that, and then I was also thinking, like, besides maybe the font, there's not a lot of, like, fun. And I like fun, but mm. that's just personal. Mm. But it's awesome nonetheless. Is definitely gives you what you need. So four point five, yeah, four point five is great. Sure, sure. I do like the ninety five bulls thing. That's pretty awesome. That is very awesome. Yeah, um, aesthetic out of ten. Out of ten. One, two, three, nine. Seven. Wow. So eight. Eight. Yeah, uh, I think this is the best iteration of a white label bag i've ever seen it's up there and it's i'm dynamic. like i'm like how could they even improve their packaging really yeah. if they went if they went custom i guess maybe just floor floored out that logo yeah you know? the, the thing that people do with custom or with uh with non-custom bags when they want it to look cool is just put as large of a label as possible on it and that's cool but if you can do that, like if you if you can accomplish a really great look with a more minimalist approach, that's that's cooler to me because it's more difficult. Yeah. Um, can I just say something right here on the Coffee Sometimes podcast? That's what we're here for, baby. Rebuking us. Yeah. Crap. I think UX should be out of five and content should be out of ten. What? What? Yeah. Yeah. UX. Is kind of like a weird umbrella category. Yeah. And it really like confuses me. Hey. I and actually it, agree. And it doesn't make me feel seen. Do we want to? You don't feel seen? Mm-mm. Do Uh-oh. we want to do that right now? We're, we're in charge. Is that fair? Is it fa- fair to the, the people of, of past? Yeah, of old. The people of old. Dude, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. That cappuccino was fuego. It tasted like caramel. So we're bu- bumping content up to nine, and we're going to do UX out of five. Yeah, because with UX, a lot of times it's just going to be like middle of the road. Like, yeah. 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 Not saying. That does taste like caramel. Um, Now that you say that. All right. (laughs) 
Let's go UX out of five. One, two, three, four. four. Uh, I mean, I, I'm thinking middle of the road here. Beefy zipper. I'll give him that. As in like it closes back? Yeah, it closes back. I respect. It's a, it's a good zipper. Easier said than done. Yeah, true. So thank you, Dutch Bag Co., if that's your name. Dutch Coffee Pack. You want to give it a 3.5? Big man? Sure. Hey, have you tasted the cappuccino and noticed that it tastes like caramel? Yeah. Caramel? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. Hold up. Caramel? It's like you're mixing caramel and caramel. Caramel by the sea. Yeah. Yeah. It tastes like an an octane caramelado. Oh! Bro. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Say less. If you know... Smash your like. Uh, all right, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about the taste of the coffee. <laughs> we start okay. with the crunch. No, we're gonna end with the crunch. End with the crunch. Uh, how about flavor? Flavor out of ten. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. To me, this is a, a textbook. Like you would, you would love this coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Stop. Like it's a yeah. it's a Colombian. Were you guys around when I tasted it yesterday? No. Yeah. It's more subtle uh on filter. As espresso, it really shines. Uh because all those complexities come out. But you know, if you were an amateur coffee drinker, you might just be like, Oh, this is you know. But if But you, someone of your But like obviously you're not an amateur. And that's what I was trying to imply. Oh my Does it, that make sense? I'm over so here thinking like, yeah, this is good. But you're over here like, you I'm not, I'm this is like, the best. You're like palate. Yep. Bergamot. Um, out of 10. One, two, three, Seven. eight. Wow, you went higher than me. Okay, this is what I really like. And I understand that you're talking about him, but can we talk about me for a second? Yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> when coffees break the mold of what they're supposed to be, is always so cool. It's entertaining. Like this is just a washed Colombian. Mm-hmm. So you just think chocolatey, sweet, good. I wouldn't, but I know. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's super complex. It's very vibrant. It's got like amazing balance and sweetness. And it's just got that like that fudgy base. So it's just like an amazing drinking experience. Mm. If somebody told you that this was a washed Ethiopian oh, and you yeah. just took a sip, would you believe them? Like No. I'm sorry. I think I'd be pretty close to believing them. I would not believe it was a. I would. I would think it was like a honey processed Costa yeah. Rica or something like that. It's really cool. That, this is like why Colombia honey, a black honey. Yeah. Oh, nice. This is why Colombia is your favorite origin. That's right. So diverse. We could. We really could switch to all Colombian coffees, and I would wouldn't even be that sad. Yeah, I think everybody else would. Who? Are people that buy our coffee? Yeah, all of our work is. It, it would be stands. so much e- easier to form like awesome relationships. Awesome relationships. True, it's tempting. If I if if I ever start another coffee company, when you start another, when coffee, I start another coffee yourself. company, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's unblended, right? All Colombian mm-hmm. coffees. Yeah, all day. So uh, eight, nine, seven, eight, eight. So eight. eight. Enjoyability out of ten. One, two, three, eight. eight. Nine. Yeah, we'll bump up to your nine on that one. It's, just, um, it's amazing. It is amazing. That or espresso is giving. Half, whatever. Uh, every 
every iteration of this coffee is enjoyable. Yeah, cappuccino. You seemed a little reluctant on the cap when it, at the start. Yeah, but then after Ethan said it tasted like caramel, I was like... After he said it tasted like caramel by the sea. <laughs> caramel. <laughs> yes. It's delicious. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to get our total. Oh, no. Sorry, oh, crunch. crunch. Oh, my gosh. Who am I kidding? You got you're gonna you're gonna do two? two crunch? What's wrong with you? A lot. Oh, that is light. Light roasted. Whoa. I don't want to tank their score because of the crunch, but... That's part of it. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's just our little thing we do. Or not. To keep us at the top. Yeah. Look at the free throw score. Figure out how bad we need to get the crunch so we can make sure that we're above it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just pull mm-hmm. that up real quick. All right. Man. Crunch out of five. Oh, whoa. After his is crazy. All right. One, two, three. 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 Just give him a three. I'm going to give him a three. Don't listen to him. Uh, the worst part about that crunch was not the flavor, but the incredibly light beans. It was like a rock. <laughs> Which, again, like if it's a light, lighter coffee and they develop it well, that's super impressive. Mm. So the crunch, the crunch will never be good for that type of coffee. <laughs> so maybe it is kind of lame. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's perfect about the coffee, but just when you crunch the beans, it's not very good. <laughs> All right. Literally, it's like not meant to be enjoyed that way at all. And we're like, taking when the When I score. drive over the beans with my car, <laughs> it doesn't feel right. Oh, boy. I'm sorry, Touchy Coffee. I know you're not. You have no idea this is happening right now. Nor are you listening. Uh, I am going to have to say grand total, 40. 40 out of 50. Lower than free throw? Which is lower than free throw. <laughs> free throw is 42.5, right? Free throw, and again, because we are giving a comprehensive score based on packaging and more. Yeah. But I think this coffee, I think free throw is like a 10 enjoyability, but like a 7 flavor. Sure. So like as far as the beans in there, they're, I mean, this coffee's better than free throw. Oh, yeah. Um, it's probably more expensive too. For sure. But we really won on the packaging content ux side for sure but for what they're working with it's fuego oh yeah for sure major fuego i am really impressed with this coffee and i think i'll probably be buying some touchy coffee for home yeah if it's especially if it's at meadow maybe it is uh, maybe i'm wrong you just call it meadow now (laughs) the people on the inn call it meadow (laughs) or meta that's impressive because it's owned by zuckerberg Dang, dude. Already? Yeah. Well, if you're enjoying the show so far, go ahead and smash like and subscribe to the program. We're getting close to 1,000 YouTube subscribers. What are we going to do to celebrate? Shave my head on live. Yes, dude. That's a big deal, man. That would honestly be really annoying how many small hairs would just be on the floor. Yeah, we would never get them up, except we have a Dyson. Yes. So that would work, actually. We do have a Dyson. That's a flex. Yeah. Uh, well, no book segment today because we finished the book. Rest in peace, book. Mm. It was fun. Thank you, Will. Yeah, thank you, Will. But today for the rest of the program, we've received some questions and we're just going to kind of go through them. Chop it up, baby. Meander. Yeah. Uh, let's start here. So we had someone write in, I believe they're looking to start a coffee roastery. Mm. Ooh. And they had some questions about coffee roasteries. Hopefully we have some answers. (laughs) Here we go. Other than COGS, that's cost of goods sold, 
What expenses, especially unforeseen, are common for just keeping the lights on in a roastery? Rent, maintenance, etc. Unfortunately, I know you said the question, but you might be the best one to answer it, too. I can say a few things. Please. And then you can. Please. And then you can also if you want to. Um, I, I think roasters break. That they do. You know? And so whether the part that breaks is expensive or not, it's an expensive situation mm. uh, because your wholesale partners are relying on you to get their coffee on the same day every week. Mm-hmm. And they usually do. That's the problem. Like it, it usually works well. So that yeah. expectation is set, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And if you're starting a new roastery, you're not going to be roasting every day. So it's going to be roasted on the same day, shipped on the same day. And so whenever the roaster breaks, which it will, uh, it's you can potentially lose customers, mm-hmm. which is money the, the biggest expense ever. Yeah. Because it's not just an expense, but it's like future dollars. It's not just like, you know, something you have to like replace a couch or something. Yeah, for sure. I, we see, we've seen this happen a couple of times and we haven't, we fortunately haven't been in like a, uh, what, what do they call it? Like def, def con. Ooh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't. Oh, know, yeah. I don't know the varying degrees of. Yeah. I've seen that in movies. We haven't been on red alert, like the worst of the worst. But even Monday, like uh, I roasted on Thursday. At the end of the day, uh, I the chaff caught on fire. You guys ever seen that happen? Yes. So it it just happens, especially with our roaster. Like the chaff catches on fire, and then you have to quench it with water because there's a water inlet right there. And I quenched it, but it still flipped like the fault of like temperatures too high, as in like telling us it was on fire. On fire, and it didn't break anything. But all day on Monday, when Sam was roasting, it the roaster just it just didn't work. And so, like Sam eventually got it to work, but it was like eleven. And usually he starts roasting at seven a.m. So then roasting had to stretch into Tuesday. Uh, I think we made everything work decently well, but still, imagine if it just wouldn't have started working. Yeah, you know, our usually he gets on the phone with Lauren. They help us diagnose some things. There, fortunately, a lot of things on that roaster are bypassable. Like we've been able to, like if there's a high temperature fault, sometimes you can bypass the fault and still roast. And it'll be like temporary until they can send you a part or whatever. And Loring's on the West Coast. But Loring is on the West Coast. Yeah. Our, our closest tech, like Loring Tech, is in North Carolina. Mm. So there could be a situation where like we wouldn't be able to roast on our Monday roast day. And then we couldn't get someone down here by Friday. That's a week of not roasting. Oh, yeah. And that is ex- extremely expensive. Yep. Because, okay, sure, maybe you can figure out another way to get your coffee roasted. But even if you are able to, you're going to be so thrown off from what you're normally doing, your normal normal money-generating activities, like that is all very abstract expense. But very real. that is a, a stress point for us around here, for mm-hmm. sure. So uh, I will say you can remedy that by having relationships with other roasters in your area. Like, I feel pretty confident that if we were ever just SOL, I could probably call Joel and Charles of Bellwood and Sam or myself could go roast yeah. 
That goes um, both ways, by the way, if y'all yeah, are listening. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, <laughs> and we know that you is, <laughs> you know, the same spirit with that. If someone from around here called us, we would probably figure out a way to make it happen for them. For the right price, yeah. yeah. <laughs> $3,000. And so those, those relationships are important, and you should find at least one where you can, uh, you can be friends. What about green coffee? Like, I know, what, t- tell me the workflow of, you know, you, you cup a coffee that an importer sends you. You like it. I think that's going to be the next question. Okay. And we can kind of press into that. I yeah, want to say a sorry. couple more Put things the on, on, buddy. on kind of keeping the doors open. A lot of times you have a, a space that is a triple net lease, which means whatever happens, you're kind of liable for it. So AC unit. Yeah, like here, if our AC unit just stopped working tomorrow, We'd probably have to scrounge up ten grand, five hundred bucks, yeah, <laughs> to figure five, out six hundred dollars that AC unit. So, you know, do even if you're a lot of times the least requires it, but have regular maintenance on all your stuff so that yeah. you don't have to worry about that. Same thing with the luring. If we just make sure to always keep our luring in good shape, it's less likely that bad things are going to happen. Pay a little now. Or pay a lot later. Yeah. Hello. And then lastly, yeah, utilities are expensive, especially here. Uh, you know, you can find a smaller space. That's definitely an option. But like our roastery is like 3,000 square feet, which isn't huge, but it's not small. Yeah. And it's really high ceilings cooled. So like we have to spend a good bit of money on electric and gas every month. Yep. And uh, depending on any like... Uh, desires you have for your space we know we have the training lab mm-hmm. it's pretty upfront costs on equipment yep as well yeah hey you might need a mini fridge for your lunch too yeah so those don't come cheap as far as like the gear that we use here i i just because we had some experience roasting at someone else's facility i think we were able to make some good decisions right up front with you know the expensive items like these packaging tables are they're not mm-hmm. cheap but like we're gonna. They're gonna be with us for as long as we're roasting. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know the pallet stacker. That was a big upfront expense. I know he's talking about ongoing expenses, mm-hmm. but there, there's. If you're gonna have like a, a facility w- where you're moving pallets around and you're pushing some weight, there's there's definitely some upfront costs. And I mean the, the pallet stacker, you know that saves us fifty dollars. Usually a lift gate is $50 on shipments. So it says yeah. $50 every time we receive a pallet. Cha-ching. Yeah, that's money in the bank, baby. Kaboom. Next question. Good how much green coffee should we buy up front and how many origins to start with? We currently use a single origin for our cold brew, a blend for espresso, and a single origin for drip with our current roaster partner. We go through about 200 pounds of coffee per month in the cafe now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just speak to this. Start your menu small and or to where, you know, a lot of times you, especially when you're just getting started, you're struggling to like meet the minimums, minimum batch size of your roaster. So like for us with the luring, we don't, I mean, really, we don't like to roast below 15 pound batches, but like 10 pound would probably be the lowest we would go. So if you are just getting started and you want to have eight coffees on your menu, and your only account is like maybe your own cafe or like one more, there's a chance that if you're roasting two days a week, 
you're gonna roast. You're only gonna need five pounds of that Kenya, right. but you have to roast ten pounds. So after a loss, you're gonna get like eight and a half pounds. So you're gonna have extra coffee left over. So I would start the menu small, especially because you want to fill pallets when you order coffee. So uh, you're dropping some bombs right now. How about that? Yeah. So whenever you order for most roasters. Oh, oh, so there are some now that ship in like boxes to where it'll be like a half sack mm. in a box that shipped UPS or something like that. But traditionally you're going to be ordering coffee from an importer and they are going to send you your coffee on a pallet and pallets, no matter how many sacks of coffee are on there, they take up the same amount of space in a truck. Wow. So it's going to be the same price, whether it's one sack on the pallet or whether it's 10 sacks on the pallet. Max is 10. Yeah, so if you wanted to do one sack and say it's co- it cost $150 to ship a pallet, that's a lot of shipping cost on that one sack. Yeah. So you always, always want to hit that 10-sack threshold. I'm not saying we always do. Sometimes we'll order from maybe an importer we're not pushing a ton of green from, and we might order eight sacks, and we just incur that expense, and we build it into the price, the retail price of the coffee. But for the most part, you're going to be better off getting 10 10 sacks and thus keeping your menu small when you first start so that you can fill that up. Um, if you're, if you're especially like if you're mainly pushing blend coffee, like that's a, a lot of times for us, eight sacks on a pallet will be uh, from like one of our blend components and then the other two sacks will be like a single origin that we have at the given moment. Yeah. I think we really benefited early on from, having our flagship coffee being a two bean blend. And the reason is when you have a two bean blend, the minority component, let's just say it's a natural sun dried coffee that can be one of your single origins. And so it just ups the, the batch size of that single origin because your flagship coffee, your most popular coffee has that in the blend. Mm -hmm. That's what we did to start. And I think, you know, especially in their situation. So they say that uh, they have a coffee, a blend for espresso, a single origin for cold brew, and a single origin for drip. So in that, I can see you having at least four coffees right there. So two components in your blend, like let's say you do a washed and natural blend. So you have a, maybe that wash, and you could even break out that wash coffee and have it as well. So that could be five. So you could have... A washed and natural in your blend. You could separate those, do the washed single origin and the the natural single origin. So that's three coffees. Then you do another single origin for drip. That's four coffees. And then you do another single origin for cold brew. That's five coffees. Decaf too. Yeah, yeah, and and then decaf. So (coughs) with those, you can... Thank you. You're welcome. Since you are pushing all that volume in those channels in your business, you can way easily, way more easily meet your... Uh, minimum batch size requirements. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question that someone might be thinking? Please. Uh, is there? Can I talk down to you? Please. <laughs> awesome. Wouldn't expect it any other way. Um, <laughs> is there any sort of discount for buying more coffee when you're buying the difference between like one and ten sacks, or is it typically like way higher? before you can start getting some like volume discounts. Yeah, usually you have to be pushing more than that. Like I bet if I, you know, if we ordered two pallets of a specific coffee at the same time, we, you know, we could probably get it. We don't really keep a lot of coffee on hand here and we do incur some holding fees cuz that's usually what you do. So, 
if we know a copy is going to go into a blend and we reserve 150 sacks of it, it means that like they are going to hold it in the warehouse and then just ship it to us when we ask for it and release it. There is essentially rent charge for that, so it would be better to get all the coffee up front, but we don't have the space or the liquid to do that. Honestly. And we don't pay for that coffee up front. Correct. We, we just yeah. pay for the holding yep. fee. Yeah, exactly. So you delay your payment for it and you just have a contract saying, I will buy this coffee. Yeah. I think that's a common misconception. You know, like mm-hmm. the first startup costs for a roastery, man, how am I going to, I got to reserve all this coffee if I want a good lot of it. Yeah. So how am I going to buy all of it? That's, I mean, you're, you're better off doing that. You know, we would, and even now it's like with our, like with our blend with free throw, we probably could fill a container of coffee and, and use it before it was uh, bad. Yeah. But like we might have to go take out a loan to be able to afford that because that would be like, I don't know, $100,000 or something. Yeah. But so, if the interest is yeah, exactly. lower than the holding fee, then it's worth it. Lower than the holding fee or the savings that you would save by ordering coffee in that yeah. much of bulk. Double and it probably is. So we've been we've been kind of talking about it, but um, do not do that right after you start. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're we've been roasting for how long? Since fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> Since twenty eighteen, July fourth, baby. July fourth, twenty eighteen. We still haven't bought like a container of coffee. Yeah, and you don't have to do that in the beginning. Like importers yeah. have... Wherever. Yeah, importers are trying to be micro-roaster friendly mm-hmm. in that setup, so that's nice. Yeah. Uh, next question. I know you guys mentioned hiring a wholesale director too soon and it costing too much. As GM, it seems like most of the external sales fall to me by default. I'm hoping that we can eventually have someone in a position that can gain wholesale accounts, etc., but that position won't necessarily be the same as the roaster thoughts. Uh, I think that that position probably should be the same as the roaster for at least a while, you know. Uh, if they're not roasting five days a week. Exactly. So, um, or it should just be you as the GM. And I know that that is not a sexy answer, but... Is that GM of the cafe probably? I'm assuming so, yeah. Um, I, I see... I see why you would want that, but it's like create the position yourself and then replace it later if there's a need for it. And what we have noticed, and I know that each company is different, it's like our wholesale relationships have come from just like building personal relationships with people, largely. Um, And capitalizing on them. (laughs) Using them. But like just get out and, (laughs) you know, like don't don't overthink it, especially in the beginning, you know. Like you are always going to be the primary driver of your weight. That's just that's just kind of facts. Like yep. you sell the most of your coffee retail. Uh, so, you know, if there's a cafe that you want to court, like don't think about it that way. Just like you know, first of all, see if your values align with them by trying. You know, getting to know the person, mm-hmm. taking them out to lunch, just like hanging out with them. Um, and then if it does, then great. Then you have a a chance to bag a wholesale account and like form a partnership. But wholesale sales is just much harder than it's made out to be, I would say. Yeah. And the the thing too is if you're just starting out and you hire a wholesale sales director lead person, like none of the none of the multi roasters want your coffee anyways. Mm. Like if you send your coffee, 
your four or five offerings to them and they're like, I've never heard of this and you just spent all this money on samples. Yeah. Like we did that. We did that and with crappy packaging. Definitely didn't work. Yeah. And our our coffee was was worse then. For sure. Um or I should say it's it wasn't as it's not as great as it is now. Um forty two five. Forty two (laughs) five number one, baby. Um the results speak for themselves. Local Local relationships. That's what I was going to say too. Uh, and the majority of our leads for wholesale still come from our two cafes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you would think that those leads are only local because obviously our cafes are local to us, but that's not even true. Like we, we have people that drive in from different places in the yeah. Southeast and they're like, I, I loved your cafe and I'd love to serve your coffee. Um, that's cool. So that's all just built in and what this, this guy's already doing. Mm. You got anything else? You don't have to say yes. Don't talk if it's not awesome. All right. Let me <laughs> think about what's awesome. Yeah. I mean, depending on what you're doing roasting wise, it's like, I feel like if you hired a position for a roaster and you're just starting a roastery, it's either like they work in the cafe part time or they could do, if you have the the cash flow to like put them on like some sort of salary and just have them try to push samples, not push samples, but push uh, sales. It's hard though. I think a lot of it is a super slow game as yeah. far as just like and going even, out there and being in the community. Yeah, even if it is like an eat what you kill commission position, like coffee's not that expensive, mm-hmm. and especially wholesale, like it's it's. A huge discount wholesale is mm-hmm. so if if somebody's making a, a sale on uh, an account that gives you three hundred dollars a week like gross gross uh like they're not really going to be pulling in much commission from that in the first place yeah mm-hmm. because realistically that's not a huge account so it's like you have to keep your cost of acquisition low mm-hmm. and, and you can and you can uh but just saying you know, where are you going to give them a $100 bonus for bagging the account? Like, you got to... Yeah. If we, your, your cost of acquisition should be <clears> measured <throat> off of profit. That's what I'm trying to say. You're, you're like after your cost of goods. So this yeah. is not a lucrative business. And profit is in the gutter when you're first starting a roastery. Yeah. Yeah, my thought around that would be like, get your, your smart people together, make a list of like, all right, we're in this area. Who do you think would just like be interested in working with us? What kind of relationships have we already established through the cafe or through our personal lives? Talk to those people, do the like conversation, wholesale talks, the samples. And then when that starts to like run its course, just work on your product. Like probably the best thing for that roaster to do is just keep investing in like how to make their product so amazing. Cause I think if you just focus on sales and, and what you're selling is not as good as it needs to be. Mm. It's, a, it's a miss. Yeah, we did this spreadsheet one time, uh, and we kind of keep it running, but it's a spreadsheet of our true cost per pound of coffee after utilities, unforeseen expenses, everything is considered. Depressing. And whenever we first opened this warehouse for the longest time, our true cost of coffee was like $22 per pound. And we were selling coffee on average for eleven fifty per pound. So that's how much money we were losing. Hemorrhaging? 
<laughs> yes, I would call that hemorrhaging. Uh, so for the longest time, we, but doing things like that lets you set metrics of like, okay, we have to get this operation to this weight to be able to do that. So for yeah. the longest time, we were like, we got to get 2,500 pounds per month. And we have surpassed that at this point, thankfully. Now we do it in a day, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, but yeah, so hey, spreadsheets like that, we're currently in the process of building a, uh, a platform of sorts for you to be able to access those things. And our, our wholesale accounts get a little bit of an insider track to that. So if you're interested in that, whether you're a wholesale account or, <laughs> or not, just stay in touch and we will have more details on how you can sign up to receive updates on that. Let's go. What else we got? Any, anything good? Yeah, I think this is from a different email. I probably should have listed that out here in my show notes. But we have a question about operating agreements. Oh, really sexy nice. stuff. Spicy. We're hitting all the hot stuff today. So on creating an operating agreement with your business partners, should you pay for legal service slash advice or should you do it yourself? And they also want to know some points of stress you might have experienced while creating Valor. Valor's operating agreement. Mm. Oh. Um, I would say you should definitely pay for someone else to do it someone who knows what they're doing and has drafted an operating agreement before because there's a lot of boilerplate that you want in there. Um, you need that external voice. Yeah, a lot of best practices for like... Honestly, my favorite thing about our operating agreement that I haven't looked at in I don't know how many years, honestly, is the... I still have like 5% in the company <laughs> or something. The verbiage of uh, what would happen if one of us died. Mm. That's that's my favorite thing about our operating agreement because it your favorite. favorite. Well, you think yeah. about it all the time. Yes, and because if I died, I know that there are processes that wouldn't hurt the company, but would create an out for my wife. Um, because that's not that's not how this works, and that's why you have an operating agreement. If I die, Michaela doesn't just become a partner in Valor because that wouldn't be good for any party involved yeah um she'd do an amazing job but right. but rather you know there would be a process for you guys slash valor buying out my equity that was now transferred to michaela slash jude so yeah i think jude actually would be the partner he's ready yeah. he's ready um so i that's really my favorite thing there are other things like if Decision we come making. to a a decision how we involve a third party and things of those sorts the vesting schedule is pretty clutch i think it probably has ran yeah. its course by now oh yeah for sure so that's that's very important um there should be a vesting schedule <sighs> oh oh my god oh. dude this is your podcast Listen, just go off we're just gonna sit here and watch i anytime i hear someone say oh yeah like we got this new business partner and it instantly like kind of sounds like a little bit like interesting uh and then a year later they're like oh yeah they're not with the company anymore but they didn't have a vesting schedule and so oh, now they have yes. however much percent of your like company 20 percent forever something. for the rest of the time unless you buy them out earlier than later which is yeah. only going to get more difficult yes so have a vesting schedule what a vesting schedule is with us it would say okay we we are 33 percent partners in this business um for the first year, we all have 0% equity if we were to leave the company. 
Mm-hmm. For the second year, we all have, I don't know, I'm just going to do simple numbers, 11% equity if we were to leave the company. Uh, the third year, 22%. The fourth year, we are completely vested and we have 33% equity each. So you have to sweat. That, that, that is a part of even as being founders, putting in sweat equity into the business to you know, assure that you have earned your equity with the company. So if I, I, our numbers were a little different, but if I would have left in year two, I would not have as much equity as you guys had. Why would forward. you leave? We can get into that into another. Do we podcast. need to involve a third party? Maybe. I just just speaking to the question of should I involve uh, uh, is is it an attorney? Is that the right lawyer? That's probably What's someone. What's the difference? Uh, good I, question. Is there a difference? I didn't go to law school. Um, the whole point of involving that person is one the best practices, but they are going to help you put guardrails around the dynamics of your relationship. And especially if you have never started a business with this person before, which I assume that's probably 95% of the people listening to this, you're going into a venture with someone you've never started a business with before, including your spouse. Like it's, it's a new set of dynamics. Um, it, that person, the third party is going to be able to be an objective voice for you because if you were to figure out your operating agreement between the two of you or the three of you, those dynamics and potentially damaging dynamics and potentially like needs maturing dynamics are already at play. So if you're like, for example, when we first started, Riley was more of a bulldozer and we were more of a dirt passive Dirt. We were the yeah, dirt. right. You um, guys were nothing. Right? Yeah, like literally nothing. And we we have learned over the years how to access the best version of that, or or you know, getting better at at the the a better version of that. The the good parts of those dynamics. If we were to start our operating agreement seven years ago with that dynamic at play, then our operating agreement would have reflected that in perpetuity. And so whenever you involve an outside party, they're able to like notice a dynamic like that and put guardrails around it so that as you grow and as you mature and as you learn how to work with one another and you know bring out the best in each other, there's a, a, an objective and long-lasting agreement that keeps that going. Yeah. And there are a couple of ways of structuring... Okay, I, I will say this. We have never... The three of us have never gone to mediation to, on a decision. We have we have definitely hashed out some things and argued for weeks on end. Oh, uh, ad nauseum. And then I mean I would say in some ways it's right. been more of like uh, like you know maybe we have an idea and we talk to Roy about it and he brings clarity and just kind of helps us like yeah. that's kind of a dynamic. But we've never had to like go sit down at formal mediation. Um, but our operating agreement is structured to where if one person is opposed to something, we have to take the neutral stance until we. Uh, until we figure out what we're talking about. So if if Ross and Ethan are saying, I just we just really want to open a cafe in Bora Bora. And I'm like, no. <laughs> we don't go ahead with opening the cafe well, majority. in yeah. Bora Bora until yeah. we have mediation and come to a decision together. The mediator's I, like Bora Bora. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember that, man. It like there was there was two different scenarios for decisions. 
One scenario was, do we do A or B? So you're choosing between two things. Mm-hmm. And then the, the second set of decisions was, we're going to do something or we're not going to do something. Those are different. So you're saying we handle those two situations a little differently. Like the first one is, is uh, unanimous, right? Like A or B would be unanimous. Yes. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, and yeah. then to do it or to not do it, that's different than A or B. The default is if there's one person that doesn't want to do it, we default to not doing it. Mm-hmm. Just because that's the more conservative approach. Yeah. Basically because there's a timeliness to those decisions. Like we got to sign this lease today. Yeah. And it's like if you're saying no, it's like, well, we can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in theory, if we came to a decision soon enough you know yeah the only other thing i can think of is there might be some verbiage in our operating agreement about like how much money one of us can spend can spend about without having to console someone else and i don't think we've ever changed that number but i know that it would have increased by now and so i'm it's just like, like 50 bucks <laughs> it was probably like a thousand dollars in the operating agreement or something like that but Dude, and I'm taking people out to steak dinners left and right. Dropping. Every time you place an Odeco order, you have to call me and be like, hey, can I place this Odeco order? Yeah. You usually do that with the like $12,000 cup, cup orders. Order. I'm like, but, hey, we got the liquid for, uh, for this. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, custom cups don't have holding programs. Yet. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure they do. They probably do. There's some out there. Yeah. All right, never mind. Next That's question. Okay. Yeah. Bookkeeping. Oh my gosh, dude, this is tailored to you. When to start uh, today? Yesterday. What does that mean? I think they're at, they're asking when they should start bookkeeping, and the answer is you. if you didn't, then you should have started bookkeeping the first time you had an expense related to your company. Um, if you didn't do that, then start today. And, the, and just to quickly define bookkeeping, it's looking at everything you're spending and everything you're earning, mm-hmm. categorizing mm-hmm. all of it yes. and analyzing it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In, into income or expense or liability. Asset. Uh, accounts receivable. Depreciation. Just kidding. You don't, you don't have to worry about that in the beginning. Well. I mean, for basic bookkeeping. That's not sure. the top of your list. Uh, then they say, pay for a service like QuickBooks versus creating your own templates. Pay for a service like QuickBooks Without a doubt, without question. Whoa. It is. I would, I'm just imagining trying to bookkeep On using a like a spreadsheet of my own. And it is, there is, I would pay a hundred, two hundred dollars a month for QuickBooks to not have to do that. When in actuality it costs like 40 bucks a month. If you can make a good enough spreadsheet to do your own bookkeeping, then you're in the wrong business and yeah. you need to start an app. And a if, bookkeeping if app. you could make, if you knew how to make that good of a spreadsheet, you would just be using QuickBooks anyways because you would know that it's worth the money. Um, so Whoa. use Shots QuickBooks fired. without a doubt. And then the last question, how specific should you be? Um, this is interesting because I do think that there's some amount of liberty here. I would say uh, talk with someone who knows more than you about this one-on-one. Um, once again, in our platform that we are building, I will probably just have some recommended accounts for your scenario. Um, but I would say at least break it down a little bit. So in your income accounts, you're going to want to have like uh, in your income from coffee beverages and then your income from retail box sales. 
Same thing with your cost of goods sold. Have your cost of goods sold related to coffee beverages. Have how much you paid your wholesale partner for retail boxes specifically. Uh, and then whenever you, if you make a connection to your bank, say that you gave Valor $1,000, you can just look on the invoice and then split that transaction into, okay, this was bulk expense, this was retail expense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say be as specific as you want. I will say for us, it's like we have copy and tea income, we have food income, we have merch income, retail uh, box income, uh, some other stuff. That, and that's, that, that would be just for like the cafe. And then for roasting, we have like wholesale income. Uh, I even split it into like how much was just from Valor Cafe income, how much was from e-commerce income. Mm-hmm. How e-commerce, uh, like coffee sales, e-commerce merch sales, and then you have your cost of goods accounts for all of those. Um, other expense accounts like utilities, you know, you can just have a utilities account and just put Wi-Fi, water, Duh. electric, all in there. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I would say, you know, get specific and just make sure that you aren't... Uh, categorizing things in the completely wrong category so like if you go out and get chipotle for lunch that is not a cost of goods sold well you could if you had an account that is as broad as like uh meals or um whatever do that but also just talk to the person who is filing your taxes and ask them how you should break it down and maybe sit down with them and they should help you if you're going to be giving them money at the end of the year anyways one of the clear pros here is like whenever you can analyze your like the the numbers and data of your business, you just make better decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, if next time, but let's just take uh, seasonal drinks for example. So we do a seasonal menu that rotates uh, pretty much quarterly, a little bit more frequent than that sometimes. And if we are look, if we're able to look at the sales from our seasonal menu and then we're able to compare that against how much we spent on the the products necessary to create that revenue that's huge hugely important information mm-hmm. and you're able to make adjustments and be like is this worth it um, and it, not to say that everything has to be centered around profit because that we have made decisions in the past where something is is not great for us profit wise but it's it's great for us intangibly in another way that improves culture and then, you know, funnels more money towards our more high profit items. Dude, exposure. Perfect example, food. Mm -hmm. Like our food program, profit's not great, but it's, we acquire more customers overall because of it, because we have a food option and they buy a cup of drip or a latte. We have a better margin on that. But a reason why you want to analyze all this data is another, another part of it is cash flow. I feel like we we've talked about cash flow so much over the years, like understanding what it is, because if you just look at your bank account on any given Wednesday, it's not a reflection of how well you're doing necessarily, uh, because you have Wednesday to Friday. That's a big difference right there. Yeah, because you got it. If like for example, we use Square, and so we get uh, a Square deposit from our 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 cafes. Is it every day? Yeah, just pretty af- much. after each day yeah, of like business. Monday is the whole weekend, pretty much. Okay. So we get that 
and then you know payroll is we do biweekly payroll and so monthly and payroll monthly. and monthly and so monthly. monthly too and monthly yeah thanks Ethan I'm just trying to contribute yeah I gotta find my spots no yeah, it's great and then some sometimes bi monthly monthly bi monthly and monthly payroll fall on the same day plus rent is due the next day yeah you know? And then you know Ethan's got to buy his his cups. Yeah, his my uh, precious precious cups. Uh, and you know uh, we got to make a U line order for a ton of boxes in the roastery. And so you you're able whenever you categorize all these things, you can look more holistically at the end of a month. But even then, it's not like yeah the most perfect representation. But you can take an average, especially like looking back over a quarter or over a year and start to really see where your money's going. Mm -hmm. Um, But it can't just be like, let's just be creative and dream and then like make it happen. Yeah. It like there, there has to be these systems and guardrails that allow you to be creative and dream or else you'll, I mean, you'll just go out of business. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll say a couple things. One is that, QuickBooks isn't going to have all the answers for everything you just said. You are going to have to build some supplemental spreadsheet things. So if you don't know Mm -hmm. Excel, then watch a two-hour YouTube video and learn the basics. Like we have, like you're talking about uh, seasonal drinks. Like we have a spreadsheet that me and Ethan use for like seasonal cost, like seasonal drink cost and building that stuff out to where we can find the relevant info that we need and help us price those things. Also, we'll probably be on our platform. Uh, some spreadsheet that'd be a good one uh so that sort of stuff don't expect quickbooks to have all the answers for you because it probably could but you'd have to get hyper 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 specific and then your accountant's going to sit down and look at that and be like what do i do do with this what's a tokyo drift (laughs) yep uh so don't worry about it yeah um there's that and then i had something else i had something else oh come on think bro Cash flow structure, so you can be free. I lost it. I was just thinking while you're saying, I'm like, nothing's lamer if like you're running this chill, organic coffee shop flow, and you're buying stuff here, buying stuff there, and then payday comes around, and you can't pay your team. Oh yeah, yeah. and you're like, well, <laughs> this didn't work out exactly how I planned. It's like, I'll get the money. We'll get it after the weekend. Yeah. And I'm like, well, those people are kind of relying on that paycheck to -hmm. come. So, yeah. Back end is huge. And that's what makes me, even in like cash strapped, cash flow strapped seasons, I, that's just, that stuff lives in my mind rent free uh, of like what we're a couple steps away from (laughs) like, you know, a couple, you know, the AC unit crack craps out yeah uh then you know have backups uh that you can look at lines of credit that's why the square thing is kind of cool like knowing if and everyone gets that through square i'm not recommending you take that because it's a pretty high interest loan but if crap was to really hit the fan you needed some working capital for like a couple weeks you know pull something out and then just pay it right back yeah um but yeah, keep those safeguards in mind and just plan to never use them and try to figure out other ways to never have to use that. Uh, what I remember what I was going to say, and we have never been very good about setting a yearly budget, mm-hmm. um, but I would say that that is something that we are looking forward to next year is that we're going to, it's going to be our first year of like really setting a budget for ourselves and trying to stick to it because um, 
you can kind of look at this podcast and see that we uh, we don't spend money on some of the typical things that coffee shops would just spend money on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've definitely looked at a lot of this company as trying to, um, you know, we've transferred some of our liquid assets, if you if you will. We will. Well, it whenever you have working capital sitting, which to clarify, if anyone doesn't know, it's just the money that lives in your bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you're not necessarily... You're just keeping it there in case something happens. You want to have a good balance of investing that money and making those dollars work for you so that you can make more dollars. Uh, and then also having enough to where if something happens, you can just, you know, float out $3,000 yeah. for an eight. Like, you know, we had to replace the AC unit in our, our first cafe, right? And so, I mean, was that just working capital like that we just had, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So, you know, if if you want that balance of, okay, these dollars are just sitting there, they could be invested into a money-making asset, or we also need to keep them. Yeah, for you, you got to have a like good that. balance for sure. Because um, there's plenty of things I can think of right now that would make us money if we went out and bought it, but it's probably not the wisest decision. Uh, on working capital, last thing I'll say there is uh, some people have the view that any amount of money in your bank account for liability reasons, you should just distribute out to yourself. And and then because of liability reasons, because if something happens with the business, it's a lot harder to touch your personal assets than to, than to touch the assets of the business. Um, what needs to happen for that? Hey, I'm just saying. Lawsuit? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's that's one thing. But some Who's people, sue you know, we us. could we We're could so take nice. things in We're that so direction nice. of us all agreeing, like, hey, let's just distribute this money out to ourselves, put it in a savings account, don't touch it. In essence, we're still calling it Valor's money. Mm-hmm. And then if something happens, we reinvest into the company and it just cancels out your distribution, essentially. <sighs> so you're just a smaller target? Yeah, there. smaller target, for sure. And that's a part of why if you structure your company into multiple businesses, if you have multiple locations. Isn't so that the so point forth. of an LLC, though? It's like to protect the owners? Limited liability company. We're trying right, that's limit. what I'm saying. But yeah, exactly. It protects the owners. So if the business has money in it, then it's it's the business's money. You know, it's, it's touchable by the outside. We, once you distribute it to yourself... That money is yours. So part of an LLC is that you can just easily, like the flow of money is is more easy between. It's fluid. The, Essentially, we are not financial experts. I yeah. will say that. But yes, um, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, your assets can still be touched, especially if you're talking about, you know, you sign a lease and you're the guarantor on the lease. I mean, crap. We've <laughs> <laughs> all been there. My name's on some stuff. Uh, so with those sorts of things, you know, like. They got your home you, address. You can be touched. The but, ga- yeah, so the, the if you're the guarantor on a lease, then that is sort or of... Or a loan. Yeah. Or a loan. That's sort of... Or a like, lease. That's where the... That's where they get you. The LLC breaks down a little bit. Like yeah. your your personal assets can be touched. Exactly. Because they don't care what you are. You're just yeah. giving your money. Nothing. Yeah. Like you're you're nothing. nothing. Yeah. They just want your monthly rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways. Wow. Are you asleep yet? Hey, wait. Wait. What? People Wake are up. people are driving. They're like, uh, uh. hey, for the right person, this, this is gold. Yeah, um, I could go on all day, boys, but Dude. I'm not going to. Hey, I mean this this platform you're talking about. It's it's a, I've been telling some of our wholesale partners about it. It's a huge project. Um, and to be clear, whether you're a wholesale account or not, uh, it'll be accessible for the right price. Yeah. But. 
$50,000. A lot of podcasts end up doing like a a Patreon type thing where uh, the listeners can subscribe for more exclusive content. And we're taking a similar idea, but just applying it to like our own platform. Um, and I know that a lot of a lot of you that listen are starting businesses uh, in the coffee industry, and so um, we don't claim to know all the answers. But I was telling someone this yesterday. Um, we at, at at every turn in our business, we have just had to figure it out. Like when we don't know how to do something, of, of course we've had awesome mentors throughout the years, but many of them are not in the coffee industry. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to give us principles, but if we need to figure out how to do something, we just have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so a benefit of that is we know our business inside and out and we've tried things and we failed a lot too. And so that knowledge at our expense is, uh, is valuable. So, mm-hmm. and the, this podcast is a great time to share it. And we're, we love sharing all this stuff. Like, Part of that is because when we were starting, honestly, like the Cat and Cloud podcast was awesome for us. And I just remember thinking like, man, they're just giving out all this information for free. And like, why? And so we're, we're paying it forward there in some sense. But if, if you ever want more, then this, this platform that we're working on will be part of that. Yeah, there's just some things that's like, It'd be so, um, what's the word, lame if we just walked through a spreadsheet on a podcast. It's mm-hmm. like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. This is this is our cool zone, our fun zone. Yeah. yeah. But we're going to create like a business zone, coffee zone. <gasps> <gasps> the coffee zone. The coffee zone. I just like the word zone, like zone coverage. What's your favorite zone coverage? Quarters. Quarters. Cover one spy. Wow, I do like cover one spy. Um, this <laughs> is and was and will be the Coffee Sometimes podcast. Mm, that's right. And you have been listening to it. Yeah. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, we gotta, we gotta come up with some more like phrases for this part of it. I, I always say, if you've enjoyed this podcast, like and subscribe. We'll, like and subscribe. We'll if break out the whiteboard. Like and subscribe if you have enjoyed this podcast. Wow. And rate slash review on your podcast platform. Of choice. Of Choice. choice. I don't really care if they've enjoyed it. Just like do us a do favor. it anyways. Please. Yeah. 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 True. Like it's the it's like a decent human being thing to do. We yeah. love the comments as well. We love comments. We love emails. We Colson, love these questions. If you have Josh any cappuccino, if you have any questions, then send them to us either on nice. Instagram at Coffee Sometimes Pod or our our info email info at valor.coffee and we'll get back to you guys i'm gonna be i'm gonna be real we're thinking about changing the name of the podcast okay i didn't even know that i think it's already decided yeah it's already to decided. the coffee zone so the if, coffee zone. <laughs> if you see this this change to the valor coffee podcast or the valor coffee program <laughs> with a u at the end that would be funny that would be funny the coffee program uh, then be don't be surprised. We've been talking about it. <laughs> Coffee sometimes will live on in infamy, but uh. just because when we first started, it was way more of like let's just let's just press record mm-hmm. and like let's just talk. Maybe an acoustic guitar will be there. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll just talk about coffee sometimes. Hey, let me say this. This is becoming more of a relationship, though. We're relying on our. Um, we also need a name for people that like this program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
We want their coffee. Zoners. Want the zoners. We want them to give us <laughs> coffee to review. We also really want them to start sending us more questions. So that yeah. we love can talk the questions. About that. Those are kind of like becoming the two pillars of this program. Mm. And we can't do that just the three of us. It's a collective. It's a collective. It's a collective imagination. Of zoners. Zoners. If you want to send us coffee for our coffee review segment, then reach out either on Instagram or our email as well, and we'll review it. Dude, I mean, maybe the well's got to get dry, but like sending someone coffee if they send us coffee kind of thing. Yeah, a little swap. Yeah, but we can play hard to get for a little bit. See what happens. Yeah. Okay, we'll see hard what happens. Get, hard to get. Uh, thanks for watching and listening. Don't do that. Ethan just sprayed himself in the face with a water bottle. Love you, bye.